All right, what's going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Episode number 76. Yeah. Almost there. 24 more to go. I'm just going to keep counting them down every episode from now to 100. Absolutely crazy. Still, I mean, I still can't believe, like, we're closer to 100 than we are to episode number one, which is absolutely awesome. I cannot wait. I was thinking on the drive home right now, I'm like, hmm... 100's got to be big. What are we? What are we gonna do for episode 100? Where are we gonna do episode 100? You know, all these questions, all these things that we've got. But before we get to all those things, let's talk about these things. So lots of rally happenings going on. Hopefully, you guys tuned into episode number 75, and we spoke with Chris Tavener in the bivouac. Well. We're going to keep the in-the-bivouac stuff rolling on today's episode. Episode number 76, we're in the bivouac with Tony Pellandrani. I think I pronounced that correctly. Anyway, we're talking racing. We're talking hunting waypoints. And some good old rally and racing fun. So absolutely excited to have him on the show. It was great meeting him down at the Baja Rally American Rally Originals training event a few weeks back. And now we've got him on the show talking a little bit about all the uh, all the happenings. He does do some kind of some racing, some some pretty gnarly stuff. So definitely want to talk to him about that. And then, of course, talk a little bit more about rally futures and where where and when everything is headed. We are still getting ready for the adventure raid side of things. Bikes are ready. Courses are starting to get laid out. We're going to be going live soon with that one. So cannot wait. Let's send the link over to him. There it is. Now we just got to wait for him to jump on. I will keep an eye on the microphone. Or I should say on the screen for him to get on. But anyway. All right. Let's turn down the party while we wait for him to get on. So lots of happenings. We are hitting the summer weather and we are inching closer to the Kota rally coming up soon. Coming in hot. Looking forward to that one as well. We'll be on the tracking side of things. KTM Adventure Rally as well, coming in hot as well. So the, that one will also be really cool to to check out and see what they've got going on and happening and all that fun stuff. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we get out to there. Going to be out in uh, Idaho if I'm not mistaken. So should be good. All right, I got the party turned down here. Looks like up. Oh, yeah, we got them on. Tony, you there? Victor, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing well, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. I'm happy you're on. Got all sorts of fun stuff happening over the last few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I am sure. I know. I've been, I've, I've been uh, you know, for, for me, I, you know, I got a family of riders, so it's it's maintaining little mini bikes and my wife's bikes and my bikes and trying to chase all the, all the things they want to do at the same time. I'm trying to you know, build a race bike and rally bikes and all that good stuff. So I, I need, I need a truck like the uh, freedom rally guys do to, to <laughs> take care of my, my garage, you know? So yeah, big old enclosed seven, seven by 14. I don't know what that thing was. Was it seven by 14? Oh, but whoever it was, Scott, Scott's rig, the big truck with all the bins. I mean, oh. him and I hit it off right away. I told him like anyone who has bins with bags and bags and bags and all the organization that you need to keep everything straight is, is my guy. That's, that's the boy scout in me coming out, you know, so <laughs> prepared for anything. 
That, yeah, I think so. That that is a pretty badass rig. I mean, that's. <laughs> oh yeah, I know everything. I, I felt bad walking over there. With, we we were we were you know in Baja Rally, we were staged out of a little truck, you know. So I was over there looking for air compressors to clean goggles out at night. You know, I needed I need to funnel those guys a bunch of beers, man, for my services. <laughs> the the racer favors. Well. <laughs> It's gonna mm-hmm. come. It's gonna come across where one of the you're gonna run one, across one of those guys. They're all gonna be lost, and you're gonna be the one voted to open the waypoint and take the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll gladly do it if I get access to that rig. You know, give me a clutch lever and that kind of stuff all, all day long. You know. There you go. You know, it all works out at the end, <laughs> one way or another. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I got the little. Sorry, I got the little puppy with all the energy going on here. No, that's okay. Yeah. So, so tell me about uh, the rally side of things. What I mean, was that your first training event? Well, kind of yes and no. I I have somehow been around this rally fight club for a long time without without necessarily knowing it. Um, I I have ridden road books. And I uh, have done a lot of dual sport rides, which are done off the three inch, like, uh, you know, uh, roll charts, I guess you'd call them, you know, with a hand driven machine or hand driven spool. So I have experience following that. I've, I've, I've raced Mexico on score. I've done thousands of miles down there on GPS and exploring and all that. And um, I, I years ago, I bought a bike unknowingly from a guy named Charlie Russo or Charlie Russo, who was the original owner of rally management services, the Pan American rally guy. He was in San Francisco. I think he was a lawyer. He probably still is a lawyer, but he, he sold me an XR650 that I ultimately raced in Baja on 2002 or three at the, at the San Felipe 250. And he was building this company. And I, I just, didn't even realize what existed until I I left this house and I started, you know, when back then it was like, it wasn't like social media everywhere. I mean, it was totally a different world. And I, uh, so somehow I found out about what he was doing and then it, it stumbled me into Scotty that was, you know, that was doing like photo journalism of Dakar. And I really loved all that, but I thought Dakar was always like big bike, big bikes, like, like six, six nineties and bigger bikes. And I, I don't have an interest in that really right now. I was, I'm always racing hair scrambles and Enduros and smaller stuff. And so I, I, I kind of didn't even think about ever getting involved in it. And then cut smash a couple years later, I had a CRF 450 an X with a license plate. It was an 06. And this was probably like 2013. Mm-hmm. I sold that bike to a, a random guy off Craigslist by the name of Mohart. <laughs> and, he, and 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 Mo told me that he was going to do the Baja rally. And I was like, on this, you know, and he's like, yeah, you just put this, you know, you build a, a rally light bike. And, and, and then all of a sudden, like my eyes lit up and I was like, oh, my gosh, you can do this on this little. I didn't you know, I didn't read all the other bikes look so big with the fairings and all that. I guess I just didn't realize what was underneath the plastic, mm-hmm. you know, water and tools and all that stuff, you know, but so. I had, I've attended the, a uh, couple of Dan Bart's trainings, you know, the ones down in, in the Mojave desert for the last couple of years, Mo invited me to one of them. Um, and then I did the one with Mason and got to know David Pearson and the, and the arrow guys, you know, Neff was there and then Kyle and Mo obviously. 
Um, and then, you know, learning about Mason's efforts and his brother and all that. And, and so I, I have been all the time, you know, with Baja racing experience and hair scramble racing experience and dual sport experience kind of figured out how this goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and next thing you know, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, I actually, I absolutely love it. I, I, I can't get enough of it, but I don't have enough road books and the area to ride around here to do it. So I hate driving 10 hours ago, do half a day of riding, but maybe that's what I got to do or a whole day of riding, you know? So, well, it, the common theme is, is you're going to travel for rally, but sometimes it's a little more yeah. than we can do. <laughs> I know I need, I need to build a rally around my house. So people come here and then I can just be at the comfort of my own terrain, but doing, doing the HP, you know, so I live in Santa Cruz, California up North, you know, so mm-hmm. Mo and I are kind of neighbors. I mean, I could ride a bike to his house in a couple of minutes. So mm-hmm. it's nice. Any, anything I want to talk about Mo or a rally, I just text Mo and we either hook up at his house or he comes over and, um, it, it's really cool to have someone who's so involved in it and, and, but also is willing to listen to neat ideas or, or, you know, I'll help him ride. He helps me with stuff. And so it's, yeah. it's been really fun. I, I, I really, um, enjoy that part of it. And so, so back to your question, ultimately the, the San Quentin Baja rally, um, I had met Scotty a few times and he told me, Hey, look, he's doing something for the ARO guys, the, the American rally originals. And I was like, I'm in, you know, nice. my buddy, Steve Varney, who I was with, we, we both, we know the rally guys and whatever it took to help them get to where they want to go. I'm in. And I've texted those guys and told them that. And so this was just an excuse to hang out with friends, I guess, and, yeah. and ride, you know? So. Yeah. And, and as it goes, I mean, everybody in the bivouac is pretty much at one point. If you haven't met everybody, you're going to meet everybody and everybody ends up friends anyway, because it's just the rally life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lone wolf life. It's a lonely sport. I always tease, you know, like we 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 go to hair scrambles with families and rigs and there's thousands, you know, not thousands, but hundreds of RVs and dozens of bikes underneath tents. And everyone's racing kids to wives, to different age groups, to different events. And you know, you've got all these little short events happening, but it's just chaos the entire time. And you go to like the rally campsite to the bivouacs and it's very like one van in the corner <laughs> with an easy up and then a stand with no one around all day. And then he shows up and then he may go in his van for a little bit and then he's asleep for the next morning, you know, and that's <laughs> it, it, it is such a, it's such a lonely sport, but it's also the I think it's the cool part of it. You know, I mean, at, at least for me i i think that's the best part you know i've been waiting my whole life to find this group of friends you know that didn't want to be around anybody so (laughs) (laughs) a little more isolated things are a little more chill and and i you know and that's a really good point i mean you get to see both both sides of it right and and i've seen like at the hair scrambles i've done the score races Mm -hmm. albeit in cars Mm -hmm. but everybody's game face around that stuff you know everybody's really focused on that and it's a very like it's cool it's a very competitive arena rally is a little different green flag drops everybody gets lost yep. everybody's but you know when you get back to the bivouac it's usually just a bunch of you know crap talking and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you're everyone has like their tulip that they knew was a disaster or yeah. or you know they, they they there's this one mark in the book where i knew you know when you get to it all you'd have to do is tell them that one turn with the wishbone and it had that little rock by it and and everybody knows you know what you've been through but really you've been talking about it in your head by yourself for, for six hours, you know, I mean, it's, 
it's, it's really, it's, I always, you know, and, and that was, you know, another thing about the score or the Baja rally um, that Scotty did was I, I really went down there to learn the rally comp technology. You know, the, I think I told you, like I told my kids what I was doing and they're like, dad, you're, you're basically playing Pokemon go on a motorcycle. You know, you're, ch- you're chasing digital waypoints. And I, and I told them that's, that's the best way to explain it. Like I'm, I'm looking around in the desert on a map to find a digital waypoint that doesn't exist. And if I find it, I can keep going. And if I don't, I got to circle around and figure out where it is and keep going. And the first day down there, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, I heard your podcast earlier about the way they, tra- the way they had it planned. And it was like that. I mean, we, we, the first, that Friday, um, was chaotic because it was like I was entering waypoint ranges and they were beeping and then I didn't know what the beep was for. And then I would find the waypoint, it would beep again and then I would leave it or, or it was just like, I was so stressed. I didn't even know what I was doing there. I was so deflated. And then I listened to the classroom part of it and, and your, you know, your education side of it on the race director side and all the stuff that you do. And then all, all of the Mike Johnson stuff, I, you start to realize like, okay, I get it. So if we spread this out and if you're on track, you kind of get the validation that you're finding the right stuff and it resets or, or adjusts. And so the second day for me was a little bit more comforting, but, but, uh, you know, you still like are hoping that the thing's going to beep, you know, you're kind of like, geez, if it doesn't beep right here, I'm totally lost. And, uh, luckily it would, you know, and then the third day I really was, had figured out what I wanted to do. And I was really like, okay, any second now I should hear a noise and it would come on and I'd be like, yes, you know, like I got this, I figured this out, you know? And so then, then it was just a matter of looking between the roadbook tulips and figuring out how fast to go because of the gap between the next mileage, you know? I mean, there's always that little indicator down there that tells you the different diff- distance and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the, the last day for me, after all and then talking to everybody and getting tips from everybody, it was really, it was really awesome. I mean, it was probably one of the best riding events I'd been to ever, um, and and it supported a great cause and great people and like you said, friends for life. Really, I mean, these guys I still text with, and some of them I've only met in the bivouac, you know. So, yeah, I it it was interesting to see that there, and you're right, there was it was there was that level of stress on the first day, but it was almost like a necessary evil to get, get that yeah. out of the way. <laughs> like I, I'm riding and like Stephanie's riding at me and, 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 and Mike Montana, Mike's riding the other way, you know? And I'm like, I, I think he knows what he's doing. Cause he's done this before, but like, why am I going this way? You know, like I was just like, and, and then the other thing to add to it all is there's like a ride of passage. I think when you ride a road or when you ride a, a, a rally bike that has a windshield, I'd never done that. And so the very first couple kilometers, I kissed the windshield so hard. I bit the crap out of my tongue, had a bloody mouth. And it was only because of my riding style without a windshield, you get all over the front of the bike. I feel real comfortable on it. But now I'm trying to like hold off from getting into the front of the windshield. And um, I learned very quickly that you have to just, you know, you have to adjust what you're coming in and the dunes too. I mean, the dunes were a little challenging with that equipment up front, but so, um, but that was comical because I got back and I had a bloody mouth and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, but really it was chaotic, you know, and a, a little bit of that hockey player, you know, post game. It was great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Luck, that's what I was worried. I stopped and was like, did I bite the tip of my tongue off? I'm like, no, I think I just like bit my lip or something. I don't know what happened, but it was, I knew it when it happened, you know, and then worst case is you had to dig your bike out of the sand too. So it was like, you know, insult to injury, I guess. You know? <laughs> not, not the business. 
Although, no. although uh, we did have a guy on a tiger down there. That well, was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Watching him do that was, uh, was pretty impressive, you know, and then some of the pictures that Justin took, um, uh, of, of all that with his, like the explosion of sand behind him, you know, I mean, it's, that's wild, you know, but I, I, I don't think I would sign up for that. That's a little too much for, you know, even some of the guys with six nineties, you know, my Chris and those guys that were there, um, he's up in Northern California too, but I, I know it was a challenge to get some of those bikes out of the sand, you know? So, Oh yeah, they get, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot of these bikes. I mean, they hide their weight really well. They look very big. And I mean, they were, you're, you're right. I mean, when, when KTM developed, when the car changed the rules to 450, the only thing KTM had at their disposal at that time was the ladder frame from the 690. So they basically yeah. slapped that 450 in it. So they are, for all intents and purposes, they are a 690. But mm-hmm. I mean, now they're motocross bikes with fairings. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're, <laughs> so. they're those are, those are awesome vehicles. I, I was lucky enough to, uh, uh, ride Kyle's up the wash and back down in uh jawbone one evening. And, uh, I was still in gear. I just come in. I, he'd left, he said, Hey, go take a first spin if you want, you know? So I just, I ripped it down and I think it was all good. And then I realized I got in the sixth gear and it just, the RPMs dropped and the thing wanted to go a zillion miles an hour. And it was so comfortable. I just backed it down, turned it around, brought it back and was like, Oh my gosh, this is what I want someday. You know, this is why I'm riding rally. I want to have a rally bike just to be able to do this kind of stuff. But in the meantime, I'm scrapping together other bikes and trying to make it work, but they're, they're, they're insane vehicles, you know? And how, so that, that's actually an interesting one. And that's one of my favorite questions is, is like, so obviously you've logged miles on, on the skinny bikes, right? The, the, we call them. And so what was the first thing you noticed on that rally on the rally bike? Uh, Just the comfort of the cockpit. You know, like my, my, it was taller. The seat was taller. It felt a little more, um, it felt like I was driving like an old Cadillac, you know, like it really felt comfortable. Like you could just sit in it all day. The seat was squishy and I'm sure that's, those are upgrades you could do to any bike. I mean, I have a, I have a good seat on my bike, but not, not like this, you know? Um, and then the, and then the whole, like, it just felt very planted cause it's so heavy, but all the weights really low. It doesn't feel very tipsy. Um, and the wash we were in was right out of, um, you know, right out of the, where Dan had a stage that was pretty gnarly. It went like from gravelly road to like instantaneous sand wash with boulders. And then it got deeper and I, I kind of took it all the way in there. I felt comfortable riding and I knew I wasn't going to dump it. Um, but the, the, the throttle response is just like a, it's like a mad dog, you know, just instantaneous power you don't really have to be in the right gear. You could clutch it if you needed to, but if you're in the right gear and you're riding it correctly, it just stands up and rips, you know? I mean, even, even turning it around, I kind of did like a big old, like right hand 180 trying to see what that felt like. And the thing just like turned around and took off the right direction. I wanted it to, and I was like, Oh my God, I got to get this bike out of my hands. You know, I don't want any, I don't want to know what this feels like until I own one. <laughs> so, cause it, cause everything else you compare to that. So Great. This podcast just got even more expensive. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. I know. I know. Trust me, the more that's why I keep telling I told the same thing to Kyle. The more people that go to Dakar and are potentially forced to buy their race bikes from Boss Dakar or whoever it is means that someday one of these bikes is going to show up on Craigslist, you know, or or in a in a backyard fight club deal, you know. And so I'm just I'm just sitting in the background waiting for someone to have too many of them, you know. So Exactly. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the Kansas guys with all those cool bikes, you know. So 
Yeah, I've heard, I mean, I know that there's a couple of ways to get them, but I mean, it's yeah, they're they're a pretty penny, and it takes some, some yeah <laughs> some maneuvering. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're and they're very specialty bikes. Like I, you know, we've got property up in Mendocino um, where we ride a ton of off road in, and I would never want to be caught dead with that bike up there, you know. And that w- actually, when we were riding in Mojave, I kept asking Kyle, "Hey, you want to trade? You want to trade bikes?" You know, I heard us gonna be super rocky and he's like no 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 i'm good and then after a camp he'd be like oh i should have traded you for that like six kilometer section because it was like miserable rocks and you know that that's where those things are going to be just it's just like lugging around 300 and something pounds you know versus 240 you know with maybe you know half gas tank and all the all the be able to touch it and deal with it and pick it up easily too you know so yeah, yeah exactly i mean it, it's at the end of the day at certain like anything else, right? At a certain amount of miles an hour, it ends up weighing what it weighs. Yep. And you will not be able to hide it. A 400-pound bike is a 400-pound bike at two miles an hour. But once you get it up to speed, eh, yeah, not so much. The And, and you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I wonder what would happen. Because, I mean, you can buy pretty much buy that kit. O, uh, mm-hmm. Omega and a couple of these other kits. But the, the thing is, is they, they design it for the 690. Yeah. So now you got the weight of the 690 motor, but you also got the torque. So yeah, I don't know. I, don't I think know. I think you want that for like I just picked up a 450, um, my, a new bike for this fall. It's a it's the uh, it's a it was a 2021, the FE. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a KTM SX factory edition, but it'll be hair scrambled out. But it's just got that like instant power. Um, you know, and it's a totally different bike. And I keep contemplating wanting to build my rally bike out of my 450. Right now I have it on a 501 just because I want the six speeds and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I don't have enough money to send an engine away to get a six gear put in it. I, I mean, I should, I want to, but it's not, I don't, but you know, that, that's, those are the things, you know, you start like really micro focusing on how to make the perfect rally bike. And I think it starts off with the absolute lightest bike you can get with the, the longest range of gears and then you go chase how you want to do the, 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 the nav stuff, you know, whether you go digital or paper, I mean, that's, that's what I'm in the middle of. I, I love paper cause I know, and wired thumbs. I, I feel like there's nothing that's going to go wrong, but then you have zillions of wires to deal with, you know, but the Bluetooth technology to the roadbook digital thing looks so clean and easy to just take on and off that. I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, do you think everyone's going digital at some point pretty quick here or is there going to be a, you know, organizational thing? I, you know, I think that there's going to be, it's going to end up splitting the group is what I think is happening because the people that have been running the tablets, they really like the tablets. Um, but then the guys that have been doing this the longest, you know, the first thing they, they say about the tablet is, is that, well, I can't see it in the sun. Yeah. And, and, you know, unless it's one of the purpose built, you know, like the Tower One from ICO. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes it, it kind of makes it difficult. I still think paper's going to hold on for a long time because of that, you know, just to have something that actually works versus, you know, having the tablet. But in a non competitive world, you know, if you're just as a recreational rally racer, I think that digital may be the, the easier way to go. But if, yeah, but if yeah. you plan on going competitive at any point until it's mandatory, I don't, you know, I still think paper is going to be the way to go. So. Yeah, I just always think about like if you were to yard sale 
and you know can, can destroy your tablet or destroy your roadbook. I mean, worst case, you could still wind a piece of paper up and find your way back and maybe finish a stage, right? Or whatever it would take. Where if you had a shattered screen or you destroyed a, or you lost battery connection for Bluetooth, or you had like a quirky problem where you had to reset the electronics and then you couldn't load the thing. There's all, there's all these like what ifs on the digital side, but I get it. You know, my car has a fly-by-wire. I mean, that you know, there's, it's, at some point it becomes, you know, it be, you have to just trust it and know that it works, but yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I do think that like, like I have my kids both race, you know, I have a daughter that's 11 and my son's 13 and they both race hair scrambles, but like, I can't wait to buy some cheap little Kindle tablets and get a Bluetooth thumb switch and put them on their bikes and go build them a 20 kilometer or a 25 kilometer road book in the, in the Hills where they can ride by themselves with me sweeping mm-hmm. and get them to learn it. I, I know that this sport is going to grow so fast, I think, because there's just all the Americans getting into it and there's all these new scenes and all these new rallies. And once the fight club kind of opens up a little bit, I mean, I show friends my bike and I've, mm-hmm. I've ridden with buddies my whole life and I show them the bike I build and they're like, dude, how do you even ride this? Like, what do these buttons do? Are you looking at this the whole time? Like how complicated is it? But once you learn it, yeah. it doesn't even take a second to think about, you know, you're just totally in the, in the flow state and it's all good. But yeah. And I think that once the younger generation gets it, they'll like Mason, right? Mason and his brother, they're going to, you know, that's just, they're flying. So. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, it's an interesting thing that you say is like, you're right. As people do ask how complicated it is. And I like you start getting, once you understand what you're looking at in the boxes, then every box is the same. There's nothing really that much more complicated from one box to the other, (laughs) other than, you know, yeah, some signs and whatnot, but I think that the the instant gratification of hitting a waypoint is I mean yeah. how how do you see that like you know okay you've you've done the hair scrambles you've done that so you've raced that for a long time longer than the rally stuff but what you've seen already in rally what what's the comparison between the two for you well yeah you're right I mean it's it's like a it's like you know with with hair scramble racing you're basically I think the endorphin rush is seeing dust in front of you and chasing the guy down and then trying to find the next piece of dust. You know, like you're, you're basically, cause at some point you start on the same row on the same second, they fire the gun, you start your engine, you take off and it's basically balls to the wall until the checkered flag falls and you're on a known course. Um, it's marked. You don't have to worry about getting lost necessarily, but you don't know where it's, if you don't, you're not pre-running it. So you don't know what you have. It's not like score where you've gone out and marked and GPS every little rock in the trail or whatever, you know, but um, the rally stuff, I think for sure it's, it's better. I, I enjoy it more. I, I think you can ride a little bit slower and smarter and still be going just as fast. So to say, I guess, compared to someone else who, who may you be riding with, but like, I've gotten to the point where I really enjoy trying to figure out I, I, for a long time, I would focus on the road books so much, I would forget that I'm riding. You know, I, I forgot like the, the, that I'm on a sandy double track that's so flowy, smooth, and there's little hits here and there, and you can just rail these turns. I'm focused on the, oh my God, 3.2 kilometers, 3.0 kilometers, 2.9 kilometers, 2.7, you know, like you're, you're counting it down. And, I, and the kilometer thing really screws me up because it comes at you so fast. Mm-hmm. where I, I mean i know kilometers I, I know how it works but i just it just always just surprises me how fast one kilometer comes up you know i need to switch all my cars to be 
metric, I guess. But, um, but then w- when you do get a waypoint or you do get a tulip that has a wishbone and you're one click or one tenth away from coming into it and you see it and you know you got to go right, it is so gratifying. You're right because you can, you've got it, you cleared it, you move on, you look down. I see that the next waypoint's four clicks away. And then I just focus on riding for three and a half kilometers at my best pace, as clean as possible, and then get back to the book again and try not to stare at the road book as much as I as much as I want to, but I trust what I'm thinking about speed and distance and all that, you know? So, um, and then, and then you add like the HP factor in, which is awesome for the off pista, wherever, where you're, you kind of have to just trust that you're going at a certain cap heading and you're not <laughs> veering off too far. And that's, it's, it takes a lot of, I guess, a lot of trust in your navigation to do it right. But when it goes right, that's the best. When you come in from nowhere to a section that has like a fence post or a, a gully that you're looking for and you capture it and you're like, okay, that was, you know, that's, that's those 10 kilometers of just freestyling through scrub brush. I didn't kill myself first of all. And second of all, I found out where I was going and you're gone, you know? So not, not as lost as you thought you were. <laughs> no. And, and that's the thing. Like at the moment you leave the bivouac, you know, one tenth after the green flag, you're lost. I mean, you're really, you don't know where you're going. You don't know any idea what turns next. You don't know how to get back to camp. You don't know what the path looks like. But when you know you're coming back in and you get a sense of you're a couple tulips away from the end, you realize you're like, oh my God, I get it. I did this whole, I went all the way out here. We came through here and you, you know, so yeah. I, I, that, that part of it, like you like, you know, back to your question, I guess that for me, it's the rally, a day of rally or a rally stage is way more gratifying than a three hour hair scramble race. I mean, it's a different kind of riding. I, I enjoy them both, you know, but there's a lot more helmet time and, um, you know, m- contemplation on what you're doing and making sure you're doing it right. Yeah. You and, know, and it's not, um, I mean, it's kind of weird. Like I, I'm not the fastest rider in, in any group actually, but you know, the, the idea of the stress of having to pin it. And I, I mean, I've been in a race car, so I understand that the dust, you see the dust and it's, it's the red, you know, it's the mm-hmm. red cape to the bull, you know, there's, yeah, there's blood yeah. in the water and the idea that, okay, well, this is rally like they could literally make a left turn and be off the road book. And this dust you've been chasing and you've seen over the hills for a little bit, all of a sudden it goes the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> so For sure. Yeah. And, and that's another thing is you never trust. Like I, like wh- one of the things that made me laugh is when I went out on one of the road books, I went out second. Um, and Mike Montana, Mike was, he went first. And when I got back, he's like, Oh, did you, did you see my mistakes? And I was like, I was so focused on the book. I didn't even see what I was looking at. And he's like, Oh dude, I went, I went wide on every corner. I made a tire track going that way. I think, you know, just to try to throw me like a loop that I'm supposed to be following fresh tracks. Cause we had that like fog, you know, up down in San Quentin and mm-hmm. it, you literally could see the tracks. And I was like, geez, I, I don't even know if this is the right track, but then I was just trusting the book and yeah, you're right. Like it's, it's, it's just, it, it, there's just a, you, you have to believe like even at the end of one of the days, Ben and I, I was lost in town in San Quentin. I didn't know where I was. I was like, I totally got screwed up on the road book. I think it was, I don't know if it was wrong, but I was wrong. And then I saw him and he thought I was like Kyle. He thought I was somebody, one of the trainers <laughs> and he, he, I caught up next to him. We looked over and I looked at him and I didn't know where I was. And I'm like, God, I hope he knows where I go. Cause if I have to go back to where I think I lost, 
you know, there wasn't any waypoints. There was just a finish line. And then I noticed there was a structure coming and I looked at my book real quickly. And if the structure had a turn, I knew where I was. Right. But in the normal world, if I was halfway through a road book, you wouldn't even dare do that. You'd have to just stop, go back, figure it out and make sure that you're square and not relying on anybody else. Right. And that's, yeah, but that's the fun of it. That's, that's all the strategy, you know, I mean, those, that's what you learn talking to those guys down there. They've got all these tips and tricks of every little mistake and what if that could have happened on every stage, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the, it, it's funny. Like we were talking about that. that it's it's kind of like Microsoft Excel. You're never going to meet somebody that has the same exact skill set. Everybody's got a little <laughs> bit different of a trick of how they yeah. mark their road books of, well, that, I mean, it's going to be going away, but as far as like just the way they manage their, their rally, their event, you know, how they do things. Yeah. Yeah. Like to hear about some of the guys that like scroll forward, you know, to look ahead a little bit and then come back. I, I don't even, I, I can't even figure out why that would help. Because I'm like so confused on just getting to the very next tulip, you know, and I and I and I didn't really get terribly lost. I I had a great time doing it all, but I was every time I'm like, okay. It, it, the other problem I have is I'm a little bit dyslexic, so like thirty six point three six. I'm like, okay, thirty six point six three, thirty six point six six three, and then I get past the one I need to be at, and I'm like, shit, yeah. I missed it, you know. So, and and so then I'm like hyper focused on these numbers, and I'm trying to like, you know, it's like a, it becomes super mental. You get exa- it's like playing golf. I think you know you get exhausted, and you really didn't do that much, but yeah. you've got you've got such a mental drain on your. Uh, yeah on your navigation skill set and memory of like trying to glint. You need a photographic memory. I think to glance down once look ahead and be able to see what you saw instead of look at it 10 times. And I'm, yeah. I'm that guy. I have to look 10 times, you know? And I'm, and I've heard guys that will do that can memorize the three notes. They'll look down. Okay, cool. And the next Crazy. three notes, they're just like gone. And yeah, I, you know, it's beyond me. I mean, it was like, you know, in, in talking with, um, which to me was like, I never thought of it that way, but in talking to Colton Udall when he was talking about his training and how he's constantly counting backwards, you know, challenging his mind, even though he's exerted. And then I was like, yeah, that kind of, and then I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Try reading a road book and focusing on the road book while at the same time having the pace, you know, because it it does take both. I mean, if if you want to be competitive, you, you have to have the pace, you have to be proficient at riding, but the navigation component is not as, um, not as far off, I should say, you know, in other forms of sports, motorsport, right. Like you talked about, like then the score racing, you can pre-run, you can memorize the course, you can put alerts and the thing, your GPS will beep at you if you're getting close to that or whatever, you know, you can set it up so you can focus more. You put 80% towards your riding, 20% towards navigation, yeah. And in rally, I think it's dangerously close to 50, 50. Yeah. And, and it really, it, once you start, and I think, I mean, once you start realizing that you've got, um, you know, you're, you've got a, a good clip of time between the next tool up, you know, you, 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 if you can acknowledge that quickly and remember that, I think you're so, it's so useful to know, but if it's like, 0.6 kilometer turn, 0.6 kilometer turn, 0.6. And you can see them all. Like they're all like, you know, 41.5, 42, 43, 44, 40. It's like, I, I get so nervous because I'm like, okay, okay, what did I just do? And sometimes I feel like I'm such an idiot. I'm like, did I even do that? Did I even turn right at that tulip? 
I, I, you know, like you, you get so obsessed with like looking at everything else. I don't even know if I cleared the tulip or not, but then it's like one of those subliminal kind of spacing out driving things. You just are like, Oh geez, like, no, it's all good. You know, like you look back, you're like, okay, that, that was correct. I did that, you know, but like, sometimes it's like, it comes at you so fast, but that's, you know, back to the digital thing. I noticed on the digital books, you can see more of the tulips sometimes, you know, and I don't know if that's helpful or not. I, right now I think I can see three or three tulips, I think, but some of them look longer, you know, and yeah. maybe seeing more of them is worse or better. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, you know, I've, it's interesting. I thought about it because I was, I was working at one point I was working on designing like a, a miniature road book holder for, mm-hmm. for more adventure raid stuff. And I thought, well, well, you know, it'd be cool to see four notes on it uh, mm-hmm. instead of the traditional three. But then, like you said, the difference being when I go down to look at this, I, I'm going to have to look at this quickly. So mm-hmm. in a competitive side. So, yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily is more better in that case. You know, yeah, that's uh, it, it, kind of tough. But then, I mean, if you could get those three, you nail those three, you can memorize the three. And then the rally comp beeps at you, you know, that you hit it. You're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're talking about digital and paper and I'm sure there's some kid out there that's making some like jet fighter heads up display goggle, right. That it's all right there. You know I mean? Where we're, we're probably only three races away from seeing like, you know, in, 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 in the heads up dash display in your goggle, you know, and that's, that's that's probably where this all heads up, you know. So. Yeah, it'll it'll feed one note into the goggles, uh-huh. so it's constantly overlaid. <laughs> yeah, it's it just constantly fading in and out, you know, yeah. like some of those cars, you know. So. Or you know, even it's interesting. Even the uh, if anything, the odometer, even having the odometer display. Yeah, you know, because I mean, to me, I mean, I think uh, like I'm with you. Like I I remember the first road book that I did. You know, I'm, I was so hyper focused on the odometer. And I was like, okay, the the turns at thirteen point eight three or something like that. And I was like, okay, thirteen point seven, thirteen point eight. Okay, I blew right by the corner. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Trying to now, micromanage do you, do you, it do in. You run, do you run um, hundreds? I mean, half the crowd you talk to says cross out the hundred, yeah. right? And the other half says, oh my god, without the hundred, how would you know where you're going to turn if it was a technical turn? You know, like Scotty's books are all to the hundredth. And he's always said, Hey, use the hundredth where I've, I've talked to Mo a million times about it. And you know, it's one of those things where he's like, I just draw a line right through them all, you know? And I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't trust myself. You know, that seems like a long distance to know, but mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's an interesting concept. I mean, you think about it, it's like, um, I know that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's, uh, Jimmy Lewis, right? When they head out onto the dry lake, bed, they do an exercise where they're, where they have cones set up at certain distances. So if you can pick out, you know, a hundred kilometer or a hundred meters, then you've basically gotten rid of that 10th. Yeah. You know, yeah. so 181 or 188.1, you're now, okay, well, I know I can see those hundred meters from here to there. So I, now I'm in range of that, but I yeah, can, you know, like I, it's like the the OCD side of me wants to be like spot on, you know, like okay, I know, <laughs> and then yeah. go back to the race organizer. You said this turn was at eighty three. It was not. It was yeah, at eighty three point eight. Eight point eight. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I I grew up swimming competitively, so I'm always like, okay, how many laps in a pool is a hundred yards? It's four laps. Okay, that that looks like about you know four laps from here from me to there is four laps so like you know then i start thinking of like okay the turn's coming up 
in, in half a pool length or, or whatever, you know, and, and I can't, I still miss it. I like, I know that it's coming. Like you said, I know the turns right here and all of a sudden it goes right by me. I'm like, God damn it. You know? Yeah. So, well, and then, you know, then, oh, here, here's another one that will blow you is, well, so that's one visual visualization, but then you have like removing the Dakar, the map men, these yeah. guys, you know, and it was funny because there was a, a, a rally event that I was uh, working on tracking uh, not too long ago. And I'm watching these roadbooks and I'm, I'm looking at the tracks and I'm going, yeah, they would have known that they could literally just go straight across right here. There's no tulips. There's no nothing on this loop. And literally they're only they're like 100 yards from the return and they would be cutting out five, six kilometers. Yeah. yeah. So it, it does, like you said, like, you know, maybe looking ahead in the road book and kind of see there's yeah. just so much. I mean, it, you know, how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go with strategy? <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't, I, and that's the thing too. Like, you, you know, like I am really nervous when I'm writing a road book to like, um, like if I'm on a Sandy wash and I keep taking the inside or I can see, like, like you said, like there's a big, horseshoe turn like i see pictures like in dakar these guys they they cut the corners on these 90 degree fire roads they cut them completely wide out beautiful big sweeping 90 like feathering spray rock turns but I, i'm always so worried about cheating too much kilometer off my road book you know like to like where i'm no longer on the because i mean you see how they make them on rally navigator i mean i've done it too it's it's just point to point you know, and as long as you get the points right, the mileage is there. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you start chipping away little corners or insides or shaving off sections, I guess you're right. As long as you know that there's a big, hard right-hand turn as your next tool up and you can get there, come hell or high water the best way you can, then go for it, I guess. But otherwise, <laughs> I don't know. I, I find myself, I'll be lost going back 10 kilometers trying to figure out where i started you know yeah and i mean and 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 you're right i mean uh especially if you get into a windy section and you start cutting off you know 50 meters here 50 meters there yeah all of a sudden you know you get to the next waypoint and and you have to mentally know yes technically i'm showing up early to this point yeah you know my my odometer is going to be like i haven't gone far enough which i saw it you know i saw it in that event you know i saw where people made you know you forks in the road and it was the difference mm -hmm. of going another 500 meters to the correct fork in the road yep but, but you get to this fork and you're second guessing yourself and you're like well it's got to be here my odometer's got to be off so you know it, yeah. i guess it's an experience thing you know uh, uh, the more road books and things that you ride and experience the more you're like no nope, trust the system yeah and like you get you like you said like we did that with Dan's ride down in Mojave where he would take us on these washes and they'd be like 12 kilometer washes and the wash would fan out to be like, dude, it'd be like 200 yards wide. So like at some point you're like riding on the far left-hand side because it seems to be the smoothest, but maybe he did the track to be on the far left-hand side, you know, or whatever, vice versa. And, and, and by the time you get to like the left-hand exit, the wash trail, you could be you know, t t 10, 10, 10 tenths away or, or, you know, six tenths away if you do it wrong. And that's what I'm always like, oh, do I stay in the middle and just get beat to death in sand whoops or should I find the clean line? And so I, I think that just comes with race craft, right? Or figuring yeah. that out. But Well, and then, you know, and then that's interesting because that brings up the point of, okay, now I got to get into the head of the guy that designed the road book. So yeah, yeah. I yep. rode the smooth line and I made it happen. Okay, so maybe I can trust that in the next wash. 
if yep. I stay to the smooth line, it'll make it happen. And then, or then you get the, the, the more, um, I, I don't know if sadistic is the correct word, but they are the ones that put the waypoint in the middle of the wash that has a, you know, a, a hundred meter open radius, which means you've got 50 meters to both sides and they've got <laughs> yeah. a 10 meter make radius. So now, so now you have yeah, you to can be blow, in the middle. You can blow right by that. Yeah, yeah, you blow right by that and realize you're off. And then you're like, do I go further or backwards? And then, yeah, then yeah. you're, you know, so. Yeah, you're, you know, you're blowing by. Meanwhile, the waypoint's sitting there waving at you as you blow by, you know, <laughs> hair on fire, you know, having a ball in this wash and, <laughs> you know. And yeah, it, go, it, go go, it, it goes it goes back to that. You're always lost until you're at the next tulip. You know, and I think that's the comforting part is there's always one click ahead of you that, it should give you some comfort that you're not completely lost. But I, again, back to the rally comp. I mean, to me, that was like, that technology is so awesome. I mean, I, I felt so comfortable knowing that you can hear the beeps and it would auto adjust. And then I would like take a second when I was riding to just readjust my own Odo Mm -hmm. to match what that had. So at least I knew I was in the range. And then I kind of tried to do like with the rally comp, I tried to put like the cap heading sometimes on it with the mileage. And then I, ended up getting rid of that and just using my own cap heading on my ICO. And then, so I, I still am not sure my perfect preference. And I was only, I was only running one cap or or one ICO, you know, but I would, I think ideally you'd have two and then you'd have your own and then you'd have the rally comp somewhere and all bunch of buttons. That's the other thing I love about this sport is the, 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 the bike building craft, you know, how, how people ran wires and how they did it all. I mean, that's the awesome part for me. I mean, I would, I, I spent hours doing this build in my garage and then I invited Mo over to shake it down and he walked in in like two seconds. He's like, dude, this is going to break off. And I'm like, Oh, that's like 50 zip ties. You know, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta untie everything to move this one cord or he's like, Oh yeah, Mike Johnson's gonna, you're not going to pass tech if it's like this. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like really, why is that? And he's like, Oh, cause this could snag or this isn't there. And you know, so like, that back to the bluetooth right you know you yeah. gotta figure out this you just you go round and round and round you know so oh, it, yeah again it goes back to the rabbit hole how far down you want to i mean i I'm, I'm working on a rally light bike i picked up a 16 501 and nice. and and literally project 501 that i got going on but yeah that's the like that is literally the stage that i am at right now i've got um i was doing the moto minded tower and i said you know i want to do the rally light thing first and then i'll yep. go back to the tower and I'm looking, literally looking at the wiring right now going, mm, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Oh, it's, I took, so what, what'd you, what is it? An S is it the 501 S or the, or the FE only? Is it the FE only? Yeah. It's FE. It, yeah. It's a, uh, hopefully so have, nobody I in have California. The S. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully nobody in California is listening, but it yeah. is, <laughs> it, it's a out of state street legal 501. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but I've already ran into where like, okay, well I'm trying to do this, but it doesn't have that wiring. It has the basic wiring in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I think that's better. I mean, I, I can't, Mo's buddy down in San Diego, Kent built my engine, just same engine. We had both engines built and Mm -hmm. he got, I got it back and I put it all together. I did all the wiring and everything. And I took off everything, all the, the odometer and everything that comes on the S all the horn. I mean, everything I didn't need, I stripped everything down and just ran the most lightest thing with the RMS tower, the, 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 uh, Matthews tower, you know, and, um, and what's funny is I did the whole rally and I got everything and I got home and I realized without having the Odo, I don't have a, I don't have a fixed Odo or an hour meter any longer. So mm-hmm. now I had to go back and put an hour meter on it just so I could maintain the maintenance on it, you know, and, 
Um, but that bike riffs. I, I'm actually racing a 15 FE 501. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had zero hours on it when I got to San Quentin. Zero, zero, basically. Nice. Um, and the thing is balanced. I mean, it is such a rocket. It's such a ripper. So I'm stoked on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I'm almost there. I, f- I finished building the mountain bike and now I'm back on that project. But it's, uh, I, I, I can't wait. Because, I mean, I... I know I need to work on my bike handling skills and I think that that's the bike to do it. I mean, I'm used to riding more adventure bikes, but yeah. you know, every I've heard so many so many good things about the 500 for both this and just for dual sport riding, you know, it has oh, yeah. the power and all that. So so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm curious, you know, and and you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I I've done I you know, I got the that that was another one I might tell you too is the uh what is it the RNS Rally navigation system, yep. RNS Electronics. There, uh, I I went with their setup, and they have the one that does the GFX V2 Pro, I think. Yep. Where yep. you can see both at the same time, cap and and distance, which which kind of works. But awesome, yeah. Uh, that's that's on my wish list of things. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm I got I got I'm, I'm in between too many kids' bikes right now to be building anything else <laughs> until I get them set up. And they, uh, you know, they, we we made a commitment to race the entire fall or the whole year series up here district 36 so we've done 11 rounds um and i have four more to do um and unfortunately one of them is the same weekend of the baja rally so i'll be missing the racing uh, not, not, i'm going to baja but i'm not going to be going them so mm-hmm. my wife's got to manage the rv and the rigs and the waste race rip bikes so it'll be it'll be a true test of a family race vehicle to see if it works nice. you know so yeah well and that's yeah. So have you already talked to the kid? Like, I mean, have they kind of shown interest after you told them what you were doing down in Baja? Oh yeah. They sit on my bike and play with the tech. I mean, they fired up and yeah, my son's big enough to ride a a full size bike. He races a 125 and has ridden my 450. And like, it's just a matter of time before I get my hands on a a ball mount and a little tablet. And I'm just going to build, like I said, I'm just going to build a little track for them to ride and learn how to do it. And then you know, take them down to the desert and let them shake down some longer stuff and maybe tail them. My daughter's a little bit too young for it, but Nico, my, my, my 13 year old, he's, he hauls ass. I mean, he's definitely the right kid to put behind this sport. You know, it'll slow him down. I think, I mean, fortunately that's what I think will happen is it'll make him be a little bit smarter in his riding and maybe not so, you know, just pin it to win it kind of stuff. So I, you know, and, and it's interesting. I, I mean, from the RD side of it, I've literally seen that example many a time the the yeah. you know it's the tortoise versus the hare and yeah it, it happens i mean you literally have to be smart about it because it is very difficult to make out make up a blown waypoint you know if you end up having to open it or skip it you know or even if you do neither and have to go back so it makes a very big difference yeah and i think you're also carrying like the mental weight of missing it right you're like oh my god i've already blown one waypoint and now you're trying to like i think you'd be catching up to the clock or trying to race yourself again and mm-hmm. <laughs> air after air after air right yeah. versus just like the like you said slow down navigate smart and haul ass when you can right yeah. you know so the road book's gonna tell you hey you got 20 kilometers <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> game yeah, <exactly>. on <laughs> this is gonna be the fastest 20 kilometers <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so, so that's something you know curious i mean so obviously with the kids racing and doing the hair scramble side of things and doing that safety between rally raid and I mean, what are the biggest things for you i mean we, we, you kind of mentioned slowing down but i mean are, are there other things to it you're like okay i rally racing is safer than even though you don't have a marked course 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, in my eyes, I think that, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, like I've, I've, I've done well in hair scramble racing and sometimes it's balls to the wall and sometimes it's just managing where you stand in the, in the race, you know, or how, how well your start went and what type of terrain you're riding, how well you ride the mud or how well you ride the sand or whatever. But with, with rally, I, I do think it's, it's a slower pace. If you're more of a amateur or semi pro type of guy where you're not really chasing a sponsorship or whatever, you know? And so I, I literally, for me, it, it, it's, it's, I think it's safer to do this. Although, you know, you could certainly get yourself into, um, a pr- you know, you're, 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 you're riding on a, a heavier bike. Usually there's more fuel, you know, you're, you've got all this stuff in front of you. You can't see exactly where you're going all the time. Maybe, you know, there's a little more, uh, uh, you know, obstacle avoidance. Like, you, you know, you can't see right down on your fender all the time. And so, I mean, you, I have, I have watered it up in sand washes before and, um, but, but I wasn't, I wasn't like out of control, but I'm not sure if it would have happened anywhere else, but I do think that, um, I mean, at least I think for, at least for me, it is safer, um, to be racing rally than hair scramble. But then again, some of the hair scrambles we do is in the high desert arena where it's sand whoops and you're basically going as fast as you want, but you're on a lighter bike. You don't have the nav, you, you know, you find yourself, you know, so it's a, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a hard call, but yeah. I do think it's safer. I mean, let's put it this way. My wife lets me do it. So if she was really worried about it, she would put the kibosh on it, you know? So, so they, <laughs> but, okay. but I'm lucky. I'm lucky because my wife races, she wins when she races. Mm-hmm. So like, she knows, you know, I mean, it's, it's awesome to have a family that does it all because I don't take shit when the set of tires show up because <laughs> no, no one, no one knows if it's for their bike or not, you know? All right. I was so, going to say there should be two sets of tires. It, yeah. Yeah. I know. No, it's, it's usually you know, the little kids do a good job of keeping a tire for a long time. It's me. And then I, you know, my wife says, Oh, I keep crashing. I'm like, okay, we'll get you a front, you know, and I buy a front and I give her my front and then I put the front on my bike, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, but it's uh, it, it works out. So yeah. so then, so then the that would be the interesting. So the true the true test or the true answer to that question would maybe even come from your wife. Okay, what what do you feel more comfortable <laughs> with? Him well, doing? I, I honestly, I, after listen, uh, this is how comfortable I am with it. That I would love my wife to do what Stephanie did, which was ride a two fifty out there. Mm -hmm. Um, with all the nav equipment, I know she could do it. I mean, we've raced in the sand, we've raced all over. I mean, the navigation part's easy. We ride through rocks and I mean, it's, I, I truly think that like that, that sector of the sport too, the growing, like, you know, the, just the, the, the women involved in it too. I think that's a a huge area that, you know, that's there's, you know, there's, there's tons of them everywhere we go. I see more and more chicks riding and some of them rip, you know, we, and up where I live, some of the fastest women in the country come from here, you know? So Yeah, it's cool. Huge women's class, huge girls class. I mean, my daughter races with, you know, a handful of chicks that are, you know, they're, they're flying, you know, they're either racing moto, which is, I think would be the sketchiest. Mm-hmm. And then down, down to, you know, this type of stuff where, um, I, and it also depends on the type of bike, you know, as long as they're not on like a giant, powerful 500, if you put them on a lighter bike, maybe or something, I think for her, you know, cause my wife's not huge. So, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, uh, at the end of the day, yeah, you know, the 500 long, big open distances, but there's really nothing. To, I mean, they have a 250 class at the Baja 1000. 
So it's not that it's unheard of. It's just, you know, you, you just manage the bike differently. Yeah. Are you going to be doing yeah. a buck across the dry lake bed? No, no. Yeah. But, you know, you're still out there and, and, and doing that. And so, yeah, so that brings up something interesting. So you, you're more recent in getting into this. You've, you've had, you know, you've, you've built the bikes, you've done all this stuff. What, what do you think is the, like the entry barrier? What do you, what do you think might be, I, we know the sport's growing, but what do you yeah. think is, is maybe holding people back? I think it's, I think it's, I think it's being exposed to the fight club. I really do. I, I, the moment I got a little taste of it, like I got invited to an event, right. And although it's kind of private, but a little bit public, you know, it's on some of the forums, you show up and no one knows who's who, and you get these road bucks and no one knows how fast to go or whatever. And, but as soon as I did one of them, I told everybody I knew, you know, and they're like, oh, I don't need, I don't want to, you know, for us up here, I live, you know, I live eight hours away from Mojave, 10 hours from the border. So like, it's a whole different beast to try to like, I'm, I have a driver for the Baja uh, six day and I've had to beg him to take 10 days off. Cause I know it's going to take that much time to go there and back safely and have the time to do it all. And so I think, I think it's terrain oriented. Like it's going to be really hard for someone in Northern California to really get heavy duty into it. Unless you, maybe are a lone wolf you don't have a family you're dedicated with a van and you can just motor anywhere you want and camp and do it all and train hard where i always find it surprising that kyle and neff and those guys in the pacific northwest mm -hmm. are so engaged in it because i guess they have desert on the eastern part of it but it just seems like rally a lot of rallies seems especially just because of the hp factor you know you need that open space to be able to do some of those cool tulips mm -hmm. where for me I've done thousands of miles of dual sport, organized dual sport stuff, uh, you know, on my own with, with roll charts. And it's basically just, you know, left, right, left, right, reset to zero, left, right, left, right, left, right, reset to zero. You know, you don't, you don't accumulate all this time. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I don't think it's money. I think there's people spending a fortune on bikes and rigs and gear and all the, you know, the Insta banger shots they're trying to get. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of push for that, but I, I think it's also the comfort of, or maybe the uncomfortableness of going out into the unknown for 10 hours, you know, and knowing that there's really no one looking after you. I mean, although there's eyes in the sky, but mm -hmm. it's a little bit different, you know, going to the track and riding with your buddies and picking up out of a, not having tools on you and doing whatever you want with a small tank of gas. I think that's a lot of people like that, you know, so uh, maybe may a little, just a little too more, too remote and a little too unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and, and for the right type of person, that's all, I mean, you know, that's all I've been looking for, all we've been looking for, you know, I mean, as soon as I found it, my buddy, Steve Varney and I, I mean, we, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out where to go next and how to do it and how to, you know, we've worked on books and tried to figure out different ways to race. Like I even had po proposed, um, trying to build like a road book series, but racing one tens, like little pit bikes, but have digital tabs on them, you know, or ha have it be still the same skill set as of road book, but have it be on a little bike through tighter shit. And it would feel a lot more safer because you're not flying, you know, but I don't know, just fun, fun ways to utilize the road book, you know, even like the, on, on the Xbox or you can play Dakar, which is crazy. I didn't know that someone told me, so I, I sat down on my kid's computer and played like a Saudi Arabia stage. I was Andrew Short. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I rode the Husky. It was awesome. I had so much fun, you know, 
Um, but it's, it's the first time I ever did that. And I, I could see where it would help just to try to figure out like timing and all that stuff. I don't know, but yeah. And, and that's the, you know, and that's the crazy part. It's like, we'll go all the way back to how it, it dials in. Like you're, you get to see it and feel it. And then you realize like, wait, yeah, this, no, it's not a waypoint. The rally comp didn't beep, but there is no way I am lost. I am at this point. I need to make yep. this turn. This whole tulip, everything lines up and you're like, okay, on, yep. you know, on it, you know? And so that it's like almost one of those things like, okay, until you just say, screw it, whatever, I'm just going to go ride, you know, I, I, I'm just going to go do a road book. That's, I'm just going to do it. Yep. I think until you do that, you realize like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's nerve wracking and you'd get it all, but I, I think you're right. I mean, the same thing, like I got to that gate on the last day that was closed on the Baja rally, right? At the, at the training and I knew I was in the right spot. I went back, revalidated the previous point. And was like, "There's no way I'm wrong. This is it. I have to jump this fence because <laughs> someone didn't think the gate was going to be closed." And I'm doing it, and I'm taking off, and I don't care what happens. And I, I, I remember thinking it, and, and then Scotty called. Was like, "How'd you get through the gate?" I'm like, "I jumped the fence." You know, like I had to go over the barbed wire. And he's like, "Oh, geez, I got to go unlock the gate or figure out what to do." You know, so. But that you're right. Once you get there and it's right, you know it's right. There's no questions about it, right? And. And uh, I, I think that's just good, good mapping, good road books, you know? I mean, I'm sure if you did it from Google, you could run into all kind of trouble if you start getting off and off and off and you're not pre-running it maybe. But then again, that's that's part of the racing too is figuring it all out. Yeah. And that, you know, it's, it, and it's very interesting because, yeah, I know of, you know, some of, the, some of the bigger teams, that's literally what they do. They've got guys like that compare, you know, satellite images from I don't know where and how and all these different things. And they'll build you a road book and they've never set foot even in the country that they're building the road book in, you know, and, yeah. and which blows my mind and they're fairly accurate, you know? And so yeah. you, you wonder like, damn, how do you guys do it? But you know, in, in California, the land of locked gates, yeah, it, it could be very dangerous. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. And that's, that's why Mexico is such an appealing place to do it at because you know, as long as the organizer, you know, has got, has the right friends and he's not doing stupid stuff, you, you know, you, you really can do all, you can go through the dunes. I mean, those riding in the dunes that we did on the last day mm -hmm. was so awesome. I mean, the picturesque sea breeze fog. I mean, it was just, I mean, I could have ridden out there for, for thousands of miles. It was so awesome, you know, and you can't get that where I live and nowhere near that, you know? So. Yeah. It gives you, it's like you, you're exploring areas. And I mean, especially down there, which, which is very interesting uh, that you bring that up and, and the right friends and having the right people. But, um, in my experience with Baja rally, that was one of the things like once people learned from the outside, right, the organization, the, the, uh, the landowners and, and the local governments, once they kind of caught up and caught on to what it is after it was explained to them, you know, they realized that, you know, okay, so this isn't, they're, they're expecting thousands of people. They're expecting to have to pay for trash cleanup. They're expecting, you know, thousand horsepower trophy trucks ripping up mm -hmm. their, their roads. And once they realize that's not what it's about, you, all of a sudden you get access to places that they will, you know, score will never get permission to ride. Yeah. In. Even like the fact you have speed zones, you know, you can go, we went right through like a nursery, like a school at 25 Eight kilometers per hour you know as long as everybody obeys that it's super safe you know and and that's 
I think you're right. I mean, that having that ha- having the format of a rally really slows down the people that are racing the clock, right? Where nothing else matters but how fast am I going on this road right now? Yeah. You know, and that's that's where you end up with you know all kinds of community problems and El Hitos are mad at you for that, you know. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then you get the pre-runner. That's the other side of it too. The no yeah, pre-run. Yeah. Everybody's it's the ultimate playing field. Everybody's getting the same road book, especially now, mm-hmm. even in Dakar, you know, I don't care how much you pay your map guy. You're only getting, you're only getting the road yeah. book a few minutes before. Well, this next year they're going digital. So yeah, crazy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that rally in that sense, you know, is the way forward. Well, you know, that's, that's one coming up. Nora just changed to road book right, yeah. for the Mexican 1000. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to find out more about that decision and and what that led to. So, yeah, I don't know, but I, I'm I'm All with good you. Good stuff, man. I know I, I'm with you though. I it would be kind of cool to see like you know one tens <laughs> with yeah. with some kind of like <laughs> right? micro roadbook setup. You know, even if it is paper and manually winding them. But you know, you yeah. think yep. you, you could pick fifty square miles on a one ten and build a gnarly road book on all these like small trails, you know, nothing yeah. big, you know? Yeah. Oh, and, uh, I, and, it all, and all it is, is just, just, it's just like a, yeah, it's just a little play playground. Right. But training the type of training you're trying to figure out, you know? So yeah, exactly. But yeah. I do think I, who, who was it? Was it you? I think I listened to your podcast where they're talking about giving people different routes also, right? Like yeah. an A and B route like that. That is, that's crazy. I, and you know, it's interesting because that is gonna, I really am curious. So there was a couple of things that they, so at one of the rallies, I was talking to Skylar about it, how they changed the way that they did the uh, prologue and stage one where they, there was like, they doubled timed it or there was like a multiplier. So mm-hmm. it made it even more difficult to get, you know, like, okay, well I'm going to go this fast and I'm going to set outside this much time. Like, they shot that whole thing down, but now I think that Dakar doing it with yeah dual routes, um, which I kind of have an idea how they're gonna do it. Like, because uh, uh, my friend Gnarly Dave and I were talking about, it. I was like, dude, but you're gonna yeah. spread the resources thin. Not really. There's a difference between sending somebody up this side of the canyon and that side yeah. of the canyon. And now, well, I'm following this guy. Am I on the same road book? Yeah. 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 It, it, that yeah, it's that, it's that dust it's that dust we were talking about like is that dust where i'm supposed to be yeah. <laughs> or is he lost or am i lost or are we gonna part ways here in a second you know and yeah you know, and i'm am i gonna focus on this and i so i really think that's gonna get rid of the swing set and you know and then if they say well no we're, we're staggering it okay so you, you know count off one two one two one two you get route two you get route one so then they know okay well i just got to catch up to the guy in front of him and I'm money. I now I'm on the same road book as that guy. But if they yeah. say randomly and you get three guys that are all on the same road book and then all of a sudden you get a guy that's not, that's enough doubt for those three guys to go, hmm, mm-hmm. am I really on the same road book? So. Yeah, it's it's smart. It's smart race directing. I mean, race race planning, you know, I mean, I can mm-hmm. see where they have really tried to to make it neutralize like what you're going after. Right. It's uh, I don't know, but it, it's definitely like, it puts a whole nother challenge into what you're trying to do. Not that you'd be following someone, but you certainly can be prepared for what's ahead. Kind of, if you know that the guy's semi close, right. Or if he's mm-hmm. a good rider and you're a good rider, you know that he's not lost. Right. So yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Not lost. Or I mean, or, or, I, I go back to the the car racing side of it is if you knew the guy in front of you who you caught was a drive was was a shoe he could drive. You were just watching the dust light. And if yep. you saw that dust light go <laughs> go on a ride, you knew you needed to get on the brakes. Yeah. And get ready. Yep. So there's you know, it's the same with the bike. If you're following that helmet, you know. But then I've heard, you know, I, I've heard the stories and there's strategies about that too. So it's like, yep. <laughs> So that I guess that's what keeps the sport interesting. So we just gotta yeah. figure out how to get more people into it. I know. And I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll commit to do my, I mean, I'm a new, I'm not new, but I'm, I'm probably four years into doing it pretty as much as I can. I mean, I, I haven't done the international stuff, but I've certainly trained and done books and helped people. And, but I, I'm excited for these guys going to Dakar, you know, I'm, I'm really stoked on meeting them and getting to know them and excited to see them. And, um, and then I, you know, I, I'm part of a motorcycle club up here and we're all full of, it's all off-road racers and mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get them, you know, to even do like a, like a Baja trip where they just ride off a GPS or something, just enough to taste what the land's like, and then kind of introduce them into that stuff too. But I, I don't know. It's, I, I think it'll, I think it'll grow and it'll be, I, I hope I'm hopeful that the the younger crew picks it up because I think they're the ones that will really change it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. um, like people like Mason and Carter, those guys, you know, I mean, I've got kids that are, like I said, probably into it and all their friends if they have the right equipment and the right dad or people mentor to help them you know i mean that's that's really what it takes yeah yeah and you know and that was something i I was talking to chris uh chris tavner about it is the you know getting getting that group together i think that might be the next like what you were talking about is like okay well maybe we need to do more like the aro as a community and organize ourselves in a way where okay we'll you know, Hey, we're going down. I, I have this trailer. I could do this. I'm committing to this. You know, does anybody need a ride? Does anybody, you know, and if we can all kind of meet and and meet in the middle and figure it out, then it'll be easier to do it because you know, you're, you're right. I mean, the rally events tend to be a little bit longer than just the weekend, you know, and that's what makes it difficult for more people to help. But at the same time, you don't need as many people. Right. You go to race a ball no, race. Yeah. You need to be prepared for leapfrogging. You need to be prepared for 50 mile pit intervals mm-hmm. uh, or a hundred mile pit intervals. Like it, there's way more staffing required on a team than to go rally racing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and then you have guys like the Kansas group that has those like, you know, packages or you buy into fly and ride. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, you know, for as much time as I spent trying to figure out how many brake levers and screws and bolts I need, sometimes I wish I just would have bought into, to, to the service, you know, and yeah. ride, ride a dialed bike and fly home, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like rock, rock star style. Right. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not there yet. You know? So yeah, it's like, well, you, you too can be a, a factory racer. And I mean, that, it, that's yeah. That is the, I mean, that is the easy way to do it. And there, there are, you know, there are other, uh, teams, local teams and stuff like that, where they'll even, you know, you could just, just the support side of it. Right. Yeah. Yep. If you've got a bike, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. So, so what's, uh, what's next for you rally wise? Um, probably we're going to do some training up in the, in, uh, in the Reno area, um, in probably August, September, and then really just shake down for October, the sixth day, mm-hmm. um, in Baja. And then from there, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've got the rest of the hair scramble season to finish off. That's most of Thanksgiving. And then, 
Um, I, I, I do like, I have a couple of buddies I ride with, we free ride in Mexico. So we're overdue for a trip. So, um, but I'm committed. I'm, I'm going to leave my setup on. I'm, I'm really focused on trying to get used to riding with it fast and well and get used to the positioning of everything. So mm-hmm. I was taking it on and off a lot, but now that I have it all dialed and flossed and cleaned and, you know, I, I want to, I want to really spend some time logging miles and then obviously just, you know, developing, you know, different, different settings and stuff like that for suspension. I, I, I'm running, um, you know, I have unfortunately C4S shocks on that bike and mm-hmm. there's a couple of things I want to do. I rode uh, Ben's bike down there that had some, some different, you know, whole cartridges and I don't know. I mean, that's this stuff, but I, I plan to do a bunch of racing and free riding and, um, you know, most of it is, you know, chasing kids around and shit, but that's, that's probably one of the reasons why we do the hair scrambles and love it so much is because, I never have to pick up a 65 on a hair scramble race ever. I, when I, when I free ride, I'm constantly picking up my kid's bike, helping them up hills and all that. But for three hours, I can put my head down and I never have to look behind me and I never have to touch someone else's bike, you know? So yeah, as, a, as a dad with mediocre riders, you know, not mediocre, but you know, less experienced riders, I'm, I'm constantly the guy that's having to deal with it, you know? So, yeah. No, so it, it gives you a chance to really get some, some miles and log out and, and just kind of, in your own helmet, doing your own thing, not yeah. having to worry about it. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I do have, I, I would love to do Sonora uh, probably next year. You know, I'd like to do more. I mean, to me, Scotty, I love doing anything that Scotty does. I really like him. I think he's a legend at what he does um, and has made himself into. And I like supporting all that. And I, I love the, the, uh, the events and his enthusiasm for it. So I'll do as many of those. I would love to do the Catavina one that he has planned. I don't know how it pencils out, but that's one of my, I think Catavina is like the center of the universe for me. I, I absolutely love that spot. Um, everything about it, you know? Um, so the more time there, the better. Um, and we'll see, you know, so. Yeah, that's, uh, Catavina. I mean, I, I'm with you on that one. I like, cause I like that, that remoteness of it. Like that's yeah. one of the ideas that I like about the whole rally thing is right. You're riding out in the middle of nowhere, but Catavina is the one that does that for me. Yeah. And not only that, but like all the years that we spent, or that I spent with the Baja rally every time we did the event, that was always the stage that everybody was like blown away by, you know, yeah. and it wanted like, they just wanted more of that area. So, yeah, I, it's just like, it's just like a, a blink and on the road too. You know, you could yeah. you drive, you see it, you leave it. You're like, Oh my God, what, where did we just go through? You know? And mm-hmm. I've driven the hard top and been all over, but we've ultimately always stopped and camped and, I've I, so many times I've been to Mexico. I've never stayed in hotels. I mean, I've always camped in remote world stuff and, you know, slept on the, 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 the uh, tarp on the ground, you know? And, yeah. um, but yeah, Catavina is always one spot. We try to get lost in and just hang out and enjoy it, you know? And so oh, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. D- the journey from the water all the way back in, into the boulders oh. and the cactus and all this. Ooh, and, so and in, rad around sunset. Yeah. I remember yeah my dad and I were at the, at the finish line a few years back and we were waiting for a rider, uh, to come through, but we were out there into the dark and just that sunset out there, you know, so remote, you get a semi truck every once in a while, you get a car mm-hmm. every once in a while on the hard top, you know? And I mean, it's just, it's amazing, you know? Yeah. And, it's, and then, and then what's even worse is you got the, what is it? The, the bosom trees or something like that, which is like the, uh, I call it the, the Dr. Seuss trees. Yeah. With a little puff on top. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It even adds to it, you know? <laughs> oh, like, like I, I mean, it's such a magical spot. Any time of year. I mean, I, we've always planned a lot of trips around 
usually around the moon, you know, either new moon or full moon, just to enjoy that part of it, you know, cause you get a lot of tide differential too, when you're trying to rip some beach runs and all that. And, uh, Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so so I've I've enjoyed some incredible moonrises in the, in the center of Catavina with some close friends, and it's like oh, like magic, right? I mean, it's 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 memories. So yeah, it's I, cool. I never actually I never thought about that. I was always there, like I'm like, okay, we got to go to the springtime because the springtime is when you get those like awesome sunsets. But I mm-hmm. never thought about that. That you know what, a full moon out there, yeah, you know, it's got to be epic. Cause you can, you can ride. I mean, even without the headlights, you can go wander off. We'll, we'll set up camp and wander off and go find a rock and bring a couple of Takatis and sit on it and look out over the whole, you know, you feel like you're, like I said, it's like the center of the universe. Sometimes it, yeah. who, how to get there? Why is it there? You know, you get into all these life questions, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty rad, you know yeah. I mean? That's, that's the, that's the thing, you know, that's helmet life, I guess, you know, you find yourself in these weird things. Yep. But that's, uh, you know, that's the, that's the adventure and that's, you know, only the, not to be selfish or, or, or whatever it may be, but if you've never ridden a bike and you've never spent time be- behind a helmet like that, yeah, you, I mean, you, you will never know that feeling, you know, it's not a car. It's not, you know, it's not the safety of your car. It's the, it's everything. And yeah, you know, I wish it's, more people would experience it. I know you go, you almost go crazy after a couple of days. I've been on trips and I, we get off and we take our helmet off and you start talking about something that you talked about with yourself only. Like it's, we've, you know, you get like, you've been like completely crazy over it, but, uh, I agree. I agree. It's a good thing. I think it's healthy. Absolutely. Everybody needs to get lost every once in a while. That's right. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, cool. sweet, dude. Well, I, I super appreciate you being on the, uh, on the episode and I'm, I'm stoked to get this out there and, and yeah, we got to figure out, we got to keep going on this, get more people into it. <laughs> yeah. And well, I mean, real quick, I really appreciate what you do. I mean, I, I told you this down there, but I'm a, I'm a fan of what you've done. I've listened to so many of them. Um, and, and to, I didn't realize you were so involved in the race director portion of it also to hear all that just is like, I mean, you're, you're, what, what you're doing such a huge thing for the sport and, I mean, from, from anyone I know that has tried it or whatever, I mean, I, I certainly appreciate all the effort you do. It's a, it's a mad mad kudos. I mean, it's a, it's, it's pretty rad. So thank you. No, yeah. I, I absolutely appreciate it. And, and yeah, we gotta, we gotta talk, get this, uh, I I keep bringing it up, but I got the the hundredth episode coming up quick. So we've got to try and do some big rally something somewhere. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. So for sure. Well, yeah, let's all, I'll, I'll probably be seeing Mo tomorrow. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start figuring out something to do, but, uh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, well, thank you. Nice. Thank you, Victor, for everything. And, I and, appreciate uh, I appreciate all that you do, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, and again, I, it was, it was great meeting you down there and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you at more events and, uh, and working with you, keeping an eye on you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice. We'll be pushing hard. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Right, well, thank you. Have a good evening, man. You too. Thanks thank for you. everything. All right. See ya. All right. So there you have it. That was Tony Palandrani talking it up about some rally experience Man, four four years into the sport and absolutely loving it. And you know what? It just validates what Matthew from Rally Moto Shop told me. Just look at the used gear market. Just look at how much stuff is available used for you. You know, if you wanted to buy something used, what would you be able to find? And and it's true. Everybody that gets into the sport gets bitten by the bug and they just want more and they want more. And so it's going to continue to grow. I'm excited. Everybody that we've talked to, their local circle is growing with this whole rally sport. So my ideas 
everybody's ideas, anything that we can do all together as a, as a team effort, right? We're all on the rally team. If you're listening to the show, wherever you're at in, in the, whatever part of the world, you know, we're, we're getting really close. I think we may have actually already hit 70 plus countries, you know, what, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing to grow the sport? What, what do you see that's working? You know, I see this adventure raid stuff, the guys on these 1200s and 700s, 790s and all of this stuff, keeping it low tech, right? Manual roadbook holder, you know, a phone version of a, of a ICO or, or a, a cap heading and, and distance or trip meter, you know, all basic low, low tech stuff, easy to do out there doing rally stuff. So what, what can we be doing as a, as a group, as a, as the North American side or on our side of the pond, uh, what can we be doing to help continue to grow the sport and be better and be bigger? So I'm looking for that feedback. Uh, again, you can always, uh, drop me an email. If you go to the Instagram at chasing waypoints, uh, and click on the link in bio, you'll see there's a, there's a way there to get a hold of me directly through email. Uh, or, you know, I'll say it now podcast at chasing waypoints.com. Uh, if you got ideas, let's, uh, let's hear it. You know, maybe we get you on the show and we'll talk a little bit about it because again, the end result is if we can help keep this sport growing, we're going to see a big change. And to touch on something that we talked about, I, you know, uh, there are some, some dangerous aspects to rally, but I think overall big picture, there is much more safety involved in this, uh, in this sport, in this side of it, uh, by, by having a book, by having something in front of you that tells you where you're going, something in front of you that can give you all of the notes. And that's not so ride by sight, you know, and gives you, it gives you more of a heads up. So anyway, with that being said, we do have, uh, we do have some guests coming up. Um, and we'll be talking about this as well, uh, with, with some of the organizers that have recently gone to road books, uh, and the difference that they noticed. So I'm absolutely stoked. We're growing let's keep it going so anyway with that being said guys thank you for tuning in you're listening to episode number 76 of the chasing waypoints podcast thank you very much for tuning in and remember keep a shiny side up All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. <laughs>